Hello everyone, welcome to episode 2 of Poetry and Conversation with Yemsi. I'm your host. How are you doing today? How has 2020 been for you so far? On this episode today, we'll be having a conversation with a touch of poetry. I'll tell you that for myself, my mental health has taken a backseat in the past couple of weeks, most intensely this past week. I take it that you have seen the news and that you have been following up and seen that over the past couple of weeks there has been the hashtag in SARS trending and most importantly there was a global attention on this hashtag and this movement in the past week if you're not a Nigerian I'll just quickly explain to you that there is a movement going on in Nigeria by the Nigerian youth called and SARS. SARS is an anti-robbery squad that was formed from the police department to deal with special crimes and armed robberies to secure more protection for the people really. But in the past three, four years, they have turned on the youths in a very ridiculous way. So much so that they have now been known as the kidnapping squad. They kidnap people, they kill people, they harass people, they extort people. And the very reason for which they were formed has been defeated. So the Nigerian youths decided that enough was enough and within their fundamental rights decided to go on a peaceful protest. That's what has been happening the past two weeks. And unfortunately on the 20th of October men in military approached the peaceful protesters and shot them in the most brutal manner. Some have called it a genocide, some have called it a massacre. But if you have been online, you would know that this is unlike anything I have ever seen in a civilian government. Of course, I am in the diaspora and I am a Nigerian. And I have been protesting as well. Ending my voice, of course, with my brothers and sisters back home because home is home at the end of the day. And when we go and protest here in the diaspora, there is no 
fear that I would not go back to my house. Unfortunately, there has always been that fear back at home for the protesters. And so it was our greatest fear unleashed on Tuesday, the 20th of October, when we lost a lot of protesters, a lot of peaceful protesters to men in uniforms. Most disheartening is the fact that nobody has taken the fall for this. Nobody has been held responsible. And so right now, it brings to book a plethora of emotions from feelings of anger, of sadness, of sorrow, of grief. So much so that Personally, I went into a shock. For three to four days, I was so numb that I could barely speak a word. And so, on this episode, today, I will be talking about collective grief and your mental health. Collective grief. Collective grief is what happens when a community, a group of people, when they experience extreme change or loss. And in this case, it almost feels like we lost a lot of people and that we took a brutal beating from the government. The relative question that comes to mind easily becomes, why did we go through this? For what results? For what reason? Was this necessary? You know, why? Our mind is a control factory. When life happens, and what I mean by when life happens is when things happen that spin you out of control, the mind undergoes a certain level of stress and it tries desperately to hold on or to find a false sense of control. The first thing the mind tries to do is to figure out who is to blame, who is taking responsibility for this. This explains why it is so easy to blame someone or something rather than take responsibility or try to process the feeling. But that's a conversation for another day. Sticking to the scripts today, it becomes who is responsible for this? Why did this happen? You might even find yourself as a protester thinking, Why did we even decide to go on this protest in the first place? Because if we did not go on this protest, then we wouldn't lose people. And the mind goes on and on and on. And if you stay in that state of mind, 
if you stay in that space, your mental health is going to really take the fall for it. Because what you're doing is you're fighting your feelings. And that's okay. It's okay at first to feel that way. However, what is not okay is choosing to stay in that space and not processing your emotions. In collective grief, I'm going to be discussing the six stages of grief that we all will be going through. That for some of us has begun, for some they're yet to begin, and for some they will find themselves in this space. And so before I dive into your mental health, it is very significant that I discuss this now. The first stage that of grief in this process collectively is what we call shock and denial. The question that usually accompanies this stage is what just happened? Is this happening? This has to be a nightmare. Can I wake up from this nightmare? What is happening? It is almost unbelievable. The news that this terrible thing has just happened makes you and throws you into a place of shock, into a state of numbness. And for me, personally, this is something that I have experienced or have had to deal with the past couple of days. I went instantly into a state of shock. For two to three days, I could not speak a word. I was very, extremely numb. And so when you think about that, you think the pain that comes with this feeling is to deny what happened because the gravity of what just happened is too enormous for your mind to contain. So you try to deny it. And so it's like sometimes you move from a state of shock into a place of denial. Like, this didn't happen because the mind is struggling. Remember, the mind, your mind, is like a control factory, always wanting to be in control. So when life happens and when a terrible thing like this happens, the mind is trying so hard to process it in a way that projects onto you Maybe this did not happen, you know. And so it's a form of shock. At the same time, the other side of the coin is denial. So if you're feeling that right now, if you're feeling, if you're in that place of shock, I want to tell you that it's okay. I want to validate that feeling for you right now. It just simply means that for you, the process of grieving has begun. The second stage I want to talk about is anger. Anger becomes the next phase because anger carries and hides so many emotions. You feel bitter, resentful, full of revengeful feelings. It is still a form of denial and in response to the shock your mind just went into. And even though this is collective grief, the way we would walk through these feelings depend on each individual. It's different for everybody. So for some people, these stages that I will be going in-depthly to discuss 
would follow through in like one two three and for some people it might be three two six four it depends based on you so i want to tell you that if you get into the space where you become so hungry it is okay to feel hungry i want to validate that feeling for you as well it is okay to feel angry some will direct their anger to god if you're religious direct your anger to what you worship some of that anger might be at yourself some of that anger might be at a group it might be at an object it might be even to your partner or your kids or anything i want to validate that feeling for you right now to say it is absolutely normal for you to feel this way again you are in the grieving process and this is what happens in the grieving process remember also that all of these are stressors and it's your mind's way of processing what you're feeling so as opposed to hiding that anger i'll tell you right now to please let it out the third stage is sorrow I'll tell you right now that I am in the third place, in the third stage of this. I have been very, very sad. And with this stage, like I said, comes a profound sadness, almost unexplainable. The mind goes into a morose place, more so a deep plunging into sadness. And really, how do you define sadness? Sadness is just simply an unhappiness accompanied by feelings of loss, despair, disappointment. In this stage you might find yourself withdrawing from people. You're quiet, you're teary or depressed. It is absolutely normal because the loss that we all we all just suffered, it's not normal it was a colossal loss a brutal loss so it is okay for you to feel sad it is perfectly okay for you to feel sorrowful and cry even i want to validate these feelings for you it's perfectly okay how do you deal with sadness just let it run its course I'll advise that at this phase you just let yourself feel. It takes time to recover. It takes time to stop being sad. And nobody has an handle on the time factor of that. So just give time time. Take all your time. Cry. Be sad. It's okay. All of these are valid human emotions. And the fact that you're going through them makes you absolutely normal. Also, you are grieving. And this is one of the stages of grieving. It's actually one of the critical stages of grieving. The fourth stage is struggle. 
while the feelings of the sadness and the sorrow lingers, you might find your mind struggling. And the question that accompanies the struggle usually is why this? Again, your mind is trying to make reason. Your, tr- your mind is trying to find a reason for this. Remember, your mind is a very logical, logical being on its own. The mind does not accept anything unless it makes sense. And there is no loss. Loss does not make any sense. There are no words to to beautify loss in a way that makes sense. So, the mind will constantly put you in a place where you struggle back and forth. Why this? Why now? If you're asking these questions, I want to tell you that you are completely normal. And it is okay to feel this way. I'll also tell you that if you are in this phase, there are no answers, really. Because um, I have heard examples of people who lose someone, someone personal to them, someone very close to them. And even when they know that this person died from like a terminal illness, it still doesn't make sense. The question still lingers, why? And sometimes even when you know the reason why, it most likely would not change the way you feel. So I'm here to validate that for you to say, it's okay. When your mind goes into this phase, it's okay. What you should do in the moment is recognize that this is what you're feeling. And that's why I'm taking my time to explain and to let you understand that this is perfectly normal. If you're feeling this way, yes, you are in the grieving stage. You are in the grieving process. You're perfectly normal. The fifth stage is acceptance. This is usually one of the very tough faces because now you have to deal with the fact that this actually happened for me i am not there yet i am still going back and forth into thinking did this happen really it's a tough stage this particular stage is a very tough stage and many people linger here for ages accepting what happened or that this happened doesn't mean that you have moved past the stage of grieving or that you have graduated from the class of grieving. No. It simply means you have come to understand what this loss means now. What it means in your personal life, what it means to your professional life, what it means to you going forward generally in life. A major change has just taken place in your life. Collectively, a major change has just taken place in our lives. A lot of us will not be the same again. This colossal loss will change the way we feel about a lot of things going forward, about a lot of situations. And again, this is different for everyone because we all process our feelings very differently. Also, the reactions will be different. I want you to know it's okay. With this stage of acceptance comes... A feeling that 
we're not going to be the same. No one remains the same after going through a brutal loss. Nobody. It changes you. It either leaves you bitter or it puts you on a path to seeing things more clearer, more clearly, and being better, being a better person, really being appreciative of things and moments and in this type of collective grieving again this has ignited accepting this will ignite a lot of parts in our mind a lot of purpose the zeal the the quench to do things differently And to do that, you know, to honor the memory of the dead. The final stage in grieving is what we call reconstruction or service. Again, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, nobody remains the same after a brutal loss, after a colossal loss. Loss changes us. And that change can be bitter or better. Again, depending on how you let yourself process your feelings. In this case, I have seen people who are fired up to do more, to go against the government, to demand our rights, to even now, they're more fired up than they were at the start. And that's perfectly normal as well. Again, like I said, the grieving stage is so different what might be the end or what should mark the end of a grieving stage might be the beginning for a lot of people so i'll just say that if you are going through any of these six stages or if you're feeling anything out of these stages you're completely normal you're completely human because it's really our emotions that make us that makes us really human segment i would really love to speak about is how do you take care of your mental health while you're going through all of this plethora of emotions number one i have four things to tell you on this but the first thing is talk talk about how you're feeling with someone share that feeling with someone um i would recommend someone that is in this grieving process with you someone that um has just gone through or is fully involved in the process as well because a wonderful thing comes happens when we talk when we talk to someone who is also going through the same feeling that we're feeling they validate what we're feeling and we validate what they're feeling it becomes such a beautiful thing because then it makes the process a bit easier not a walk in the park but it makes it much more bearable talking is like opening a window to a tiny apartment full of choking gas the air comes in from the outside mixes with the gas 
and gradually brings relief. That's what talking is. That's what speaking up is. So sharing that feeling with somebody who completely understands somebody going through the same process is one of the most beautiful things you can do and care for yourself. It's also one of the most beautiful things that can happen to you to prevent your mental health from taking a crash. So keep talking. Talk. Explain the way the, the your thoughts, explain your thoughts. Just let everything out. The second thing is, while you're talking, there is a connection going on. And when there is a connection, it kills the feelings of aloneness and loneliness. In this case, being with a group of people or being with other protesters who are feeling the same pain, who are experiencing or spiraling in their grieving process as well, makes it takes away the feeling of loneliness. It takes away every feeling of aloneness. It brings such a beautiful form of connection that puts us on a path to healing as well as caring for your mental health. Because really, when we go through a lot of crazy things, when life happens, why our mental health really takes a back beating is because we always feel like I'm alone in this. The feelings of loneliness submerge us. And so when you connect to someone who is feeling the same exact way you're feeling or who uh, is experiencing the same grief, it brings a, about a form of connection and that connection cancels out the loneliness. So connect. Connect. Because, again, this is the worst time for you to feel completely alone. Connecting with someone is a strong reminder that you're not alone. And when the mind starts to accept and feast on this feeling that I'm not alone, when the mind starts to participate in the connection, it starts to reconstruct itself and it starts to heal. The third stage is coping mechanism. Depending on your individuality, depending on who you are or your personality as a person, you should definitely at this time adopt different healthy emphasis on healthy coping mechanisms. If you're religious, pray. Pray. Meditate. Some people plunge themselves into writing. I am one of those people. I will just keep writing out my thoughts until I feel relieved. And when I feel heavy or I feel that my mind is becoming dark, I just get my journal and I start to write again. So if that works for you, that's also healthy. Remember the analogy I made earlier of keeping the window open and letting the choking gas escape. That's how coping mechanisms are really. If it's running, yes, go for it. 
if the feelings become really submerging uh, submersive book an appointment to see a therapist talk to someone remember it goes back to the very first point talk to someone meet up with your friends people who understand what you're going through invest in your self-care invest your energy in doing something for yourself in doing something that you enjoy doing something that you will appreciate just do it remember emphasis on healthy coping mechanisms the fourth and the final stage um, or the final point I will give you to taking care of your mental health at this phase is please do not give up on hope I work as a mental health associate and a lot of the times when I have to deal with or talk to my patients they are in this face this really deep state of darkness and depression because they've given up on hope I'll tell you right now there is a long there is an adage that says what is life without hope nothing and I understand that hope can be tricky because as humans we pin our expectations on a certain outcome and when it does not happen that way which i will tell you right now that life never happens the way you plan it to but when we know that and when life still doesn't happen the way we expect we become sad sometimes depressed and sometimes wanting to give up don't like someone would always say to me it's just a bad day it's not a bad life don't give up on hope ever and with that said i would read the poem the sprinkle of poem i have for you today the poem reads there is something about hope that holds your hands through the darkest tunnel as it reminds you a tunnel will not exist if there is no light waiting to embrace you at the end of the journey. A tunnel will not exist if there is no light waiting to embrace you at the end of the journey. So, there is something about hope. And I'll just say now that as difficult as it might seem, there is no tunnel without darkness. And darkness cannot exist in a tunnel if there is no light waiting at the end of it. So as I wrap up this episode this week, I want to reassure you that you will be fine. I'm also reassuring myself that we will be fine. The length of time it will take is unknown, of course, but I know that 
you will come out of this a new person. And that new person will amaze us all. We will be fine, we'll be okay. And we are not alone. Whatever you're feeling right now is felt by many. But still, you and I will be fine. So in the meantime, let yourself cry. Feel. Allow the grieving process. Don't halt it. Let yourself feel. Let your mind go through whatever plethora of emotions it wants to go through. However, when you're doing that, when you're allowing your mind to go through that, stay in community. Be connected. That's the only way to prevent your mental health from taking a total backseat. To my brothers and sisters, I just hope that this episode has encouraged you in a form, in a way, has enlightened you as to whatever you're feeling right now. We will be okay. I keep telling myself that. I keep reaffirming that, that we will be okay. And with that, we've come to the end of today's episode on collective grief, your mental health, and hope. Like I said earlier, this is a pandemic year. So if you have lost anyone or even lost anything of value, of worth, a dream, a business idea, finances, I want you to know that, yeah, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to take care of your mental health when you're doing that. And it is mostly important for you to keep your hope alive. Even if it's in shreds, just keep it alive. We will get through this. We'll be fine. Until next episode when we speak again. I remain your host and friend, Yemisi. Have a beautiful, soft, 